Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Fundamentalists podcast. My name is Elliot Morgan. Um, I'm here with my podcasting partner, Peter Rollins. We do a podcast together. We do. That's pretty cool. Um, This is called The Fundamentalists, and it is about life and philosophy and how to live life and basically uh, how to find life before death. Look at that, we used it, we used the tagline. Boom. Oh wow. You guys good. think that you guys think we're getting professional now. <laughs> That's the money. Watch this. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, Pete and I have been sitting around brainstorming as the professionals that we are and we are kind of discussing uh, places to do our uh, first non-local live show yeah um which is kind of it's a complex thing because we have to figure out you know where draw is and kind of where people can come and make sure that we can like afford to do it um because believe it or not this isn't a huge money maker for us (laughs) yet Um, so uh somebody reached out and they basically were asking about charlotte north carolina so that's kind of where our head is at or where my head is at and so if you're in that area and you would like it to happen um let us know send us a tweet i'm at Elliot C. Morgan and Pete is at Elliot at Elliot C. Morgan, C. Morgan as well. Wow, there you go. Um, pl- just follow, just just, follow, me. just follow him. Just follow uh, him. <laughs> me, me, me. Uh, he's at Peter Rollins and let us know, um, and it will help us, you know, decide. But if you're somewhere else and you know we get an influx of people from a particular area, that helps a lot because we kind of have to convince bookers and stuff that um, this weird thing that we do. We also do people children's like, parties. Uh, we yes. also do magic acts. Yes, despite um, the children requesting that we don't over yes. and over again we do, do it and thank you to everybody who left a review on itunes following yeah. recent episodes that uh, nice. that's thank hugely you. appreciated and uh yeah it's all very cool but i, I would love you know what to... we have we have lots of reviews but actually when i looked at other podcasts you know it's not that impressive other podcasts take a they take it really they do a lot you know right. they really they really go for stuff like that. It's very smart and we're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, it's kind of like certain podcasts and stuff I think are very like kind of that's, that is their top priority. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's it's (laughs) one of their main things rather than this is just just a chance for us to have a drink. Yeah. yeah, 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 So, but, but yes, we will get there and we're going to, we're going to catch up. Dang it. But, um, yeah, thank you to the kind person who reached out for the Charlotte thing and let us know and we'll, we'll figure something else or something out that, makes sense for everyone involved yeah. uh, but if you're a new listener welcome to the podcast and i'm very excited about this particular episode the subject matter for once was one that i came up with yeah which i forgot about <laughs> um, and so i'm excited to dive in and if you would like to support the podcast uh you can go to trywink.com slash fundamentalists that's t-r-y-w-i-n-c dot com slash fundamentalists and get yourself some wine unless you don't drink wine in which case um i don't know you'd be, be in charlotte or tell us where you want to go and want, want us to go and we'll figure it all out there you go um i just got back from a week of travel and i dived right back into things and went right back into the valley folk office how did how did your gig go you were doing a whole thank you Pete. our special in hometown it was right? beautiful yeah my home state it was about an hour out of my town um okay in Tampa and it went great man I was super super nervous like I was very because I made the decision to be as like candid and raw as possible and um and kind of do my like it's my jokes I think are dark-ish I guess and sometimes a little vulgar but um 
Yeah, in doing that in front of like aunts and uncles and so like so much of my family came because it was just your family who came. Basically, right? yeah, yeah. I, that, <laughs> just that front row. I, uh, I I sold out a fifteen seat amphitheater, yeah. so yeah. it was very nice. But um, yeah, it was very cool and very beautiful. And um, Grace got to meet my family, which is also its own sort of like beautiful thing, but also stressful and very like uh, you know making sure everyone's happy all the time. But um, it was great. We went from Tampa to sarasota florida and then from back to tampa to new york and then got back uh yesterday so i'm kind of a space cadet yeah. right now and that's my uh required apology for the exactly the yeah let's just get that in the um, way. i like that yeah and uh yeah anyway so i'm very excited to be back and i went into the valley folk office and i was like looking around i was like oh i i don't think i can be here right now. i was like this is too much for my brain and so i left and um and now i'm here and i'm uh, i'm excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today so yep. which um, is what is it we're going to talk about a show that is the best show on tv right now <laughs> which is called what we do in the shadows and it is a show about vampires who live together and there is an adaptation uh, it's an adaptation from a movie called what we do in the shadows which is also a fantastic movie from uh jemaine clement from flight of the Concords, as well as a guy whose name I, uh, I can't pronounce, but I love him very much. I think it's Taiki Watiti. I, I can't, I never know how to pronounce know. his name. I think I've only ever read his name, but um, he's brilliant. And it's them creating this TV show, but it's a different cast. And as a result of it being a TV show and adapting it from a movie, they added a new type of vampire. And so it's Hell literal yeah. vampires who are immortal. Yeah. They've been around for hundreds of years. And it's a mockumentary style, which I've decided is not going anywhere. And I love it. And it's all I want to do is make mockumentaries yeah. for the rest of my life. I think it's so funny. You can pack so much story yeah. into one format. And in this particular one, it's basically a camera crew, a human camera crew following a group of vampires around as they you know exist in new york basically yeah and there's a new type of vampire that's or new called... jersey is it no no new is york. it are they in staten Ge- island staten, staten, staten island, island. Staten is new york yes, yes. That's one of the, isn't that one of the yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's a little pl- you've been watching have you watched, been watch- oh, yeah, yeah. I've watched them all yeah so right, there might yeah. be spoilers if you're like if you haven't seen it but it's nothing that you can They're vampires yeah yeah you can still enjoy <laughs> the show we're not i don't think it's not game of thrones um in terms of plot but the great thing by the way about our game of thrones episode is we couldn't do spoilers because we literally got everything wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm enjoying how people are kind of tweeting about how many things we uh, we seem to get wrong in yes. that episode. Just reaching in the dark, like, I don't know. I think it was like, whatever. Yeah, I think it was called The Battle of the Bastards, was it? Was that one? Was that like, yeah, I don't know, maybe. Don't know. Was that the name of the episode or is what they call it? It's like The Red Wedding. I don't think the episode with The Red Wedding is called The... Anyway, who cares? Yeah. I'm doing it again. Um, but anyway, yeah. there's a new type of vampire in the show version that is a psychic vampire. And uh, that is the idea. It's a term that's been thrown around that I've heard before the show came out, but it's basically the type of vampire who rather than sucks blood out of people, uh, they suck energy from them. (laughs) And it's the type of person you meet who is so unbelievably boring or so unbelievably mundane that you lose the ability to feel like you're still alive. And so it's this person who just looks like a normal guy living in a house full of vampires who will come out and be like, hey, so what are you guys up to? And it's just that very like... Yeah. We all know them, and in the show, they very cleverly say that a psychic vampire is the most common type of vampire, <laughs> and um, I think that's very like clever and fun. So anyway, yeah. this is what's this his episode. name? Can you remember his name? It's like something like just Derek or something. Yeah, I'm like, sure it's, it's something completely... like that. And I wonder if they don't mention. So you never yeah, know. You never his even name. know. Yeah, uh, maybe it's Ted or yeah, I don't know. But um, 
I'm sure someone knows. So anyway, it's yeah. This episode is about psychic vampires, whether they come in the form of a human being or in whatever else. And so that's what we're uh, we're talking about today. Yes, psychic vampires. Listen to me. I just introed the even the topic. Yeah. No, you you texted me last week and said, "Do you want to do?" And I hadn't watched the show, and I thought you were talking about the movie, and I was like, "I don't think there's anything like psychic vampire in the movie." And then you introduced me to the show i've been watching yeah it's real good and i've also been watching more of a peep show oh is that right i watched a lot of peep show last night which you know they're working on a um i do know okay i'm slightly nervous about this Mm -hmm, me too we talked about it i I know we did talk about it yeah well no uh sorry grace grace sent me the the article yeah and then i immediately was like i have concerns yeah so it's one of these reverse kind of male female role things so they're going to two women who are basically going to be based on the characters but yeah yeah which i think I think it could be good if they're at the helm of it. I do think it could be good. We'll talk know, about it. I, like I'm, I'm watching Sally Forever at the moment, right? No, Sally no, Forever. Oh, it's very good. It's um, it's by two women. Um, it's 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 about this woman who has a pathetic, um, uh, what do you call someone who's they're not married to them, but their fiance. Okay. Um, a kind of pathetic fiance, and then this really insane female friend who she starts up a relationship with, and so she's basically the disavowed aspects of herself are in these two characters. She's between pathetic and insane. And as two female characters, very, very funny. So I'm going like, yeah, create something new. But I always worry about this kind of just reversal. Mm-hmm. I just go like, but, but it could be amazing. But I go like, well, just just do a completely different show. But with, you know, two female housemates, mm-hmm. it'll be, you know, Sally Forever is a version of that. But I'm going like, oh, peep show. I, I suppose I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just so attached to Jez and Mark. I'm very attached to Jez and Mark. I was uh, dying laughing last night because it was the... We were watching the episode of um, Jez throwing the mushroom party and <laughs> Mark uh, being sick. And yeah. just the end scene of Mark. Uh, if you haven't seen the show, basically they're roommates and Mark is the uptight one. And Jez is the loose guy and uh, Jez throws this crazy party and then Mark gets sick and he's got this nine to five. He's pretending not to be sick for the nine to five. And then his boss shows up at the very end at his house when he's just having this explosive um uh, diarrhea on the toilet because the door got broken down because of, of Jez's room or Jez's friend that he invited over and it's this end, end monologue from Jez where he's staring at Mark <laughs> while he's having this horrible sick diarrhea episode and the door's broken off Mark can't even poop in, in peace and Jez is like you know you should really be ashamed of yourself I lock you in your room for one second <laughs> as a joke and you decide to really you know you really need to reprioritize and the poor guy is just that he's like Jez please don't he's like all disoriented yeah. <laughs> he's like it's so funny but see th- this is because I'd be just as worried and I was because they try to recreate a version in america and Mm -hmm. i I just worried it's going like these characters are very british Mm -hmm. like that repressed figure of mark i'm like i don't think i think you've got other characters that that are that they can are comedic but i don't that's a very british kind of thing Mm -hmm. so if you watch i don't know if you've ever watched it but there is this um what do you call it the the uh, it's it's not the show they put one out to see if it works pilot a pilot IT they, have a, they have a pilot of No Peep Show oh, in, set oh, in America. Really? It's, it's still, is it it's them? Terror, no, no, it's completely different, but, yeah. but it's based on them and it's like really bad. They've really um, bad. Apparently they've tried remaking it like three times um, and this is like the newest iteration of that right. happening. Trying and to, so, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm, I'm skeptical, but also hopeful and optimistic, which is also, uh, you know, how I roll. Anyway. Yeah, one, so, one of the reviews said we go on tangents. <laughs> 
Oh really? And I don't even think we've we've started. So is this a, is it a tangent? If you haven't even got to the subject, I just checked the timestamp and I was like, well, we're about twelve minutes in, so yeah. I guess you could call it whatever. That's good. Uh, welcome to the welcome to the show. Yeah. So anyway, yes. So psychic vampires. vampires. Okay. Well, I well here's where I where my mind went when you talked about this because this the psychic vampire his breeding ground is basically an office with like those kind of little cubicles that people are working in. The sort of thing that I think. Everyone work. I imagine everyone in America works in, but I myself have never actually yeah. been in that environment. But you see it all the time: just office buildings, cubicles, walls up, that yeah. same telephone, exactly two pictures of your family to keep you alive. And that's exactly it. You know, it's a beautiful, terrible symbol of of the society we live in. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, the 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 metaphor for me is this: the psychic vampire is contemporary society, contemporary ideological society. That that. There is something, I, and Freud talked about in terms of civilization, actually, that um, although I'm not as anti-civilization as I'm about to sound, but um, that there's something about civilization that is a psychic vampire that drains us of our libidinal energy very slowly, very gradually over time. It doesn't kill us biologically, but it kills our energy. Yeah, it's a spirit killer. It breaks your spirit kind of yeah. deal. So he, this vampire for me is a personification of civilization, contemporary civilization, going around and very slowly draining you of your life energy. Um, and one of the way, an example of how this works is Imagine you're at, you're in college and you play gigs and you're you know you play gigs uh, once a week with your local band, and then eventually you have to get a job, because uh, you have to get a job you have to get up at nine o'clock in the morning and you kind of have to give up on the band, which you were never wanting to be a superstar. It was just that's what attached you libidinally to life. That's mm -hmm. what gave your life meaning. And just very simply having to enter into the world of nine to five work meant that you had to give up this little anchor that you have to the external world, an anchor that helps to get your energy going. And civilization, I think, is full of those little detachments from, your, from, from things in your world that give you meaning and value. And that's kind of what leads you to what can be called depression, lethargy, kind of a sense in which you, your energy starts to go because you don't have any attachment to something in, in the world that gives you meaning. Yeah, I, um, I was at a wedding this weekend and um, I was talking to this guy who, super wonderful dude and just like one of those people where you just sort of like, there, it, one of those types of people where you can kind of see, you can just be immediately honest with. And yeah. it happens, I think, a lot in sort of the comedy community. And then is this was this, I'd never met this guy before. And but there's people who work in that world where it's just like, it would be the same for someone else if they hadn't done something else where it's like, oh, you, you got your base, your grounding in this, this is your basis and what you kind of came up through. And not the rock band, but yeah, the but comedy, they kind of open mics. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like right. that world. And he, um, was a bit older and um we were talking at the wedding at the at the reception and i was like i was asking basically questions about having a family and like all that stuff and like yeah. what you know what it's like having kids and he was like you don't really need to to ask me this this stuff just saying i was like i know it's not interesting and i was like well actually I was like i am i'm genuinely interested in it i was like only because i know you 
you used to do sort of like this world and New York and all that. And I was like, I sort of feel myself disenfranchised a little bit with that world in LA. I was like, but you went and did the wife and the kids and all that. And then I was like, I'm very curious actually as to what it's like now in this life. And, um, of course it was a, a lot of like really beautiful stuff on like having kids and, and, and having that kind of life. And then there was that thing where you, you just see like, he was very honest, which is a, a benefit of, I think people like that. And also being in New York, where you're just a little bit more honest, yeah. I think in general. And he was kind of like, yeah, he's like, you know, you, you sacrifice a lot. Yeah. Like you sacrifice so much. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I've always heard that, but the expression on his <laughs> face was the same, I think, as what you're talking about. Yeah. Is that sort of like the loss of libido or whatever? And I'm not saying I, I don't know the guy and I'm sure he gets yeah. it elsewhere and I'm not trying to, to use him as some kind of prop or whatever. But it's like, it's also, I don't know. It feels like there's a growth in that too, like yeah. learning to lose the libido. Yeah. Well, that, that's a good example of like, you know, the reality principle. You have to give something up, but potentially you know, for other things that are valuable. The problem is if you have to give these things up for nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where it's kind of becomes like, you know, for the cubicle. Yeah. For the, just to maintain your life, you have to kind of give up so much without return. So yeah, there's a giving up that potentially, but you give up because there's other joys in life. Yeah. But um, sometimes- Which is what, the, that seems to be yeah. the thing with kids where the, it's always like, you give up so much, but then a hundred percent of the time, like I wouldn't trade it for the world. And yeah. it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but the cubicle, which I also think is like an archetype, not necessarily for a cubicle. Like I, I think we all know the feeling of working in a cubicle, even if we yeah. haven't. <clears throat> Like it can represent any kind of job. That exactly. I- it's any job. And there's differences like with the kid thing, the differences between choosing to have kids and the choice uh, to have kids being imposed on you. Mm-hmm. And they both look exactly the same, but the, the very slight difference is this, is that you have kids because you just weirdly feel the gaze of society, that that's what you have to do. It's not, it's not really what you want to do. It's the want and the desire of, some other society or your family and then that is a type of sacrifice that potentially will be painful but then you can choose to have kids as in you make that decision yourself and that's different so sometimes it's about whether the choice is kind of you're making it but it's actually something else making it through you it's FOMO was for, oh fear of missing out isn't that yeah. what that is oh yeah yeah that's yeah. the technical term for the uh, <laughs> the gaze of the other that yes that colloquial stuff that you're throwing out yeah the actual Lacanian term is FOMO, FOMO. Just so you know. yeah I like that I, 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 I recently that. heard Jomo do you know what that is because this resonates the with joy of missing the out. joy of missing out is like that's very oh good. yeah I'm quite good at that actually I, yeah. I look at the things I could be doing and go like oh thank goodness thank goodness I'm not doing <laughs> I'm that I'm reading Hegel yeah <laughs> instead of yeah. having kids yeah it's yeah. Uh, I uh, I think that the uh I think the FOMO thing is, I'm like, I go back and forth where I'm like, do I want the kids? Which I think is why I was sort of like, not needling, but definitely very interested in uh, in this guy's story. Cause I was like, do you, is this, are you gonna, are you gonna like break this for me? Like, are you gonna, are you gonna shatter the idea that I want kids? Cause yeah. if you do great, like it's wonderful. But I think a part of it is definitely like, I hear the people who have kids go, oh, they're the greatest thing in the world. And I'm like, well, they can't all be lying. Oh, like, yeah. not all of them. And then yeah. I, every now and then you, you see some guy who's like, it's the worst, man. It's it's not, not that this was this guy, um, but 
yeah, yeah I've talked to other people who are just like, this is not like it is. I he I've literally talked to people who have been like, I wish I had not had kids. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Can you imagine that would suck. Yeah, and then there's there's like, like there's four iterations because then there's people who think they're happy to have kids, but it's kind of obvious they're not happy. Yeah. Uh, and then there's people who think they're not happy to have kids, but it's obvious they get some pleasure out of it. So there's a lot of different iterations. But the funny thing is, even if the choice was made through you, like, for example, you're a conservative religious person and you just thought you had to get married and have kids, you can still later on choose to have them. You can choose to have the kids that you've had. So, you know, there's never... You're never too late to... Wow, that's a beautiful sentiment that you threw out there. That's oh, is a, that right? Yeah, oh, that's nice. Thank you. Okay, that's no. like a very... That was almost self-helping. <laughs> Damn, I better... I better backtrack. Back a little, backtrack a little bit. Yeah, it was very... <laughs> like, you can actually be happy with what you have right now and choose it. Yeah. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. This, this Here we was, go. Yeah, the, the early... Def, and I'm, I, I'm grateful to you, indebted to Jameson Webster for this insight. Um, but the early Freud... Uh, his first reflections on melancholia, right, with a friend Fleece, uh, w- was to do with the notion that melancholia is the detachment from some object in the world that you enjoy. So your libidinal desire revolves around something in the external world. There's something in the world that makes your life meaningful. And when you get detached from that, you break up with that person. You have to give up the band. You have to give up the stand-up, whatever it is. When when your libidinal desire is snapped away from that, you literally fall into lethargy. And there's basically three types of lethargy. One is kind of a manic depression, which is you either feel completely detached from reality, completely uninterested, and then your body every now and again kicks in and tries to get your energy going again. Mm-hmm. So you, be, you, you become very creative, you do lots of amazing things, and then you go straight back to, to, to minus 100. Mm-hmm. The other is like a hedonistic depression, which is where you, uh, Freud thought this was connected to too much masturbation. So I'm not saying anything about you here, but it's the idea that... What do you that, mean? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, well, the, you, Dude, I haven't masturbated in hours. Yes. Oh, well, that's fine. That's yeah, good. Thank you. But this is where you kind of explode <laughs> your libidinal energy in some activities and then immediately afterwards feel completely bored and completely detached from reality. So you one go, kind of goes out, has a lot of fun, but then it then feels completely empty. And then the third is a type of anxiety where you don't even get to that level. You just feel a profound detachment from reality. But these are all forms of a type of, you know, Freud's initial reflections on melancholy. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's all connected with detachment from something that we've lost, but we haven't been able to mourn. We, we kind of repress it. We don't know we've lost something, but we have. Hmm. And, and that's what the psychic vampire does is it detaches us from some external object we haven't mourned it. We just are detached from it. It's like, by the way, in the Matrix, the very first Matrix, mm-hmm. when the good one, the good one. Yeah, it was. I was watching it the other day. It's trending again on Netflix for some reason, <laughs> um, uh, or at least it's pretending to for me. Um, the the um, the uh, oh yeah, they say the the guys say to Mister Anderson, they go like, listen, he's attached to Morpheus, so he has got this. A libidinal investment in some external thing, which is who is Morpheus, what is the matrix. And one of his manager says, there's two lies for you. One is 
you find you know as a hacker doing all this stuff looking for morpheus the other is in this company making an, yeah. a career and you've got to make a choice and basically that's the that's the example of what i'm saying is that that manager is basically saying you have got to i want to snap your attachment to this external object for you to continue to work in society yeah and that's the choice that he has at that point yeah that makes sense yeah. that is what happens in the movie yeah that's very cool i uh, i had a moment today where i was at work and it was a very funny video and i was like this is great and i also was looking around going like i was like i don't know why this isn't something's not i'm very muted right i've granted i've been traveling and all that stuff and then i also at the same time realized last week after this show in tampa where i was like i want to do a different type of thing and like create something that's like i was like i had this opportunity with these live shows to do kind of whatever i want and be weirder and do mixed media and i was like i don't know why i was like i want to do that I was like i don't know it literally felt like like I felt like an idiot. I was like, why have I not been doing stuff that's like weirder and more different and just going nuts? And I think it's because um, on one hand, I truly didn't think about it. And on the other hand, it's like I spent so much time doing stand-up that I was yeah. like, I want to be a stand-up. And then I like stopped doing, I was doing stand-up so much at the time when I was either trying to leave SourceFed or had nothing going on. And it sort of became this thing that was, it, it came alongside a sense of need and a sense of desperation. And then over the past year and a half with the Valley folk, the sense of need and desperation has sort of dissipated. And there's all been a certain sense of security and a certain sense of comfort thanks to kind patrons and thanks to just sort of the, the overall kind of trajectory of everything else. And then combining that- You're with still like, sharing an apartment. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, yeah, I, 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 I apologize yes, for, I to you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, all that stuff is like, there's still that like thing where I was like, at the same time I stopped stand-up, everything else is going well, but then I'm like, maybe there's something to the mourning, the loss of stand-up and mourning, because I can't, I can't physically do stand-up with yeah. like in the sort of LA scene while also being at Valley Folk all the hours of the day. And then I go to Valley Folk and I'm like, why, why am I not having a great time right now? And a lot of it's my own stuff and a lot of it's ex external factors. But I think a lot of it is, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I'm still, I'm missing out on the, that those days of like, what, I gotta, I gotta frantically go do this. I gotta frantically go do this and, and this show and this place and that and this. And now I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing, and it's not a, I thought before the Tampa show, I was like, this is going to be a performance thing. I'm nervous because I don't know if I'm still going to do well. And it went great and I did good. And I was like, oh, I don't, it's not really about getting my reps in anymore. I think it's yeah. literally about the fact that I miss some part of me yeah. misses that world that is like, which was, was a sacrifice frantic. you sacrifice you had to make. And, but yeah, but in one way that, that attached you to something libidinally like that gave you energy yeah and then I, I go to these shows and i come back and i'm like i have this idea and this idea yeah. and this idea and i'm so excited whether it's for the live shows or it's for the you know valley folk and i'm like this is what makes me excited but i have to do like i have to leave and go do this otherwise after a while i just become completely useless and i'm yeah. like what am i doing like i'm i'm not writing enough i'm not doing this i'm not feeling like i'm accomplishing anything but yeah, yeah. i mean this is why like for freud the revolutionary act was partly, he called it antisocial. Like, uh, that's why there is this apocryphal story that he was traveling to New York. I don't with know what apocryphal Jung. means. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, what does it mean? Just kind of like, a, probably not true, legendary. Oh. Yeah. Um, where he said to, to Jung, um, do they not know that we're bringing the plague? 
And uh, this idea that actually analysis, there's something that's disastrous to civilization for it. Because civilization, in some ways, this sounds very negative, but in some ways is detaching you from external objects that, mm -hmm. that give you meaning. And, and actually what the revolutionary act is, is to reattach, to find things that give you meaning. But the problem with that is that can can kind of get you to leave your job it can get you to do crazy things and that's not always good for you and it's not generally good for society or your but family it, or your, or your friends family or friends it can it can be a disaster but it also brings a depth and a richness to your life the um the phrase i like is when you um when you i think it's like if you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you get kicked out of the garden and so yeah. like with enlightenment uh, yeah. comes like yeah you're gonna you're gonna exit yeah now. that's a nice analogy it's like it's like there's this you're gonna realize your desire yeah, yeah if you if you attach to that piece of fruit um that it gives your life real meaning but you will be kicked out of civilization in some way you'll be yeah, in it well, but not of it yeah and i yeah i think i think that's what i'm i think that's what i meant but yeah. i also it's like when you when you can, when you realize the whatever, when you get the knowledge, when you get the whatever, yeah. and you do the whatever, then you look around and you're like, yeah, you got to go. You have to, I don't know, is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. Well, yeah, I'm saying like in this way that it's about meaning, you know, like teenagers talk about is life meaningful or not, right? But the issue is life is meaningful <laughs> teenagers. to teenagers. Yeah. No, I've heard After that, no one talks about no it. No one talks about it, yeah. But, but the, as in kind of like, as in, it's an abstract question, is life meaningful? Yeah. Well, no, life is meaningful to you if you're libidinally invested in some aspect mm -hmm. of life. So whether or not you believe it's meaningful, if, you, if you're if you in love with a person or a cause in some sort of way, life is meaningful even if you believe life is meaningless. And in the opposite mm -hmm. way, mm -hmm. if you're not libidinally attached to some external object in the world, life is meaningless even if you believe it's meaningful. Yeah, yeah. So something about meaning is about an attachment to some external thing. And and, and melancholy, in, in a very simple way, is a type of... Um, you're not revolving around some sort of external object of desire. Yeah. So for me, depression and melancholy are slightly different. Melancholy is when you're so close to what you want that you no longer desire it. And uh, depression is when you're so far from what you want that you um, can't think of anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what that feels. Both of those. Well, mostly the melancholy. Yeah. Part by yeah. the grace of the lord i guess but yeah the i this subject fascinates me the difference between depression and melancholia yeah. or melancholy like the um the idea that getting what you want or getting the closer you get to what you want also brings a sense of dread is i think the running theme throughout a lot of our yeah. existences but it, yeah it, it, it weirdly detaches you from some sort of external of struggle i mean in one way it's an object you want something in the world that kind of enlivens you. This is how to kill the psychic vampire, basically, is to find some external thing in the world that you attach to that is a struggle, but yeah. an enjoyable struggle. I um I had this moment today where I was like, I was like, I need to email my um agent about this audition that I went on that I really wanted. I really wanted to host this show. And um and it would have been kind of like a month long. We'd done the whole season. I was like, this would be so fun. It's like, you know, elsewhere, it's out of LA. I'm like, that would be super cool. And I was realizing that I wasn't 
emailing the agent because uh, I didn't want to know. I ima- and I and I said that in the email. I was like, I, I'm assuming I didn't get this. I was like, but mm. I'm just gonna confirm so I can begin the mourning process. Uh, yeah. I was like, like jokey joke. Like I did it mm. in a yeah. lighthearted way, not in this like heavy handed. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like like it was obviously a joke because it's a silly show. But um, it was like. Oh, like I didn't want to lose the hope of getting it uh, yeah. in exchange for the knowledge that I was going to get it, and it's like, or the knowledge that I didn't get. Yes. Like either way, the the finality, regardless of getting it or not getting it, um, yeah, it detaches you in some way from this external object, and it's it's yeah. Difficult. yeah. And I like the I like the pine. I like the process of being like, oh, maybe if we do this and we get this and you know or if i get this and that'll be the thing and then it's like it really is it's the climb yeah as miley cyrus said is that what she did she say that mm-hmm. that's beautiful yeah, yeah it yeah. is beautiful and, and the, diff- the difficulty we have is that it's so difficult to mourn what we do is we lose something and then what we do is we repress or we disavow and we forget and like the hysteric forgets in her body um so an hysteric often will have what's called what and jameson webster's written a good book on this great book on this called conversion disorder but it's where you convert your loss into a physicality um and an obsession an obsessional person will um will avoid confronting their loss through obsessional activities like they'll have to touch things a certain amount of times Mm -hmm. they have to do all of these rituals but there's various ways in which and i i say she for hysteric and he for obsessional because weirdly psychosis isn't gendered like it's about similar melancholy anxiety aren't gendered as in you know there's no statistical difference between who suffers from anxiety but uh, weirdly, um, you just find that more obsessionals are men and more more hysterics are women. Yeah, bitches be crazy and men are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I yeah. mean, that's, Freud said that. That's that, not that's me. A, that's, that's not that's me. A, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a Freud quote. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, but the, yeah. And you're saying obsessional, which you mean also with, with obsessive. Obsessive, But you don't yes, mean like obsessive. obsessive compulsive disorder, which is well, its own I, sort of thing. But it can its own be, sort of thing, but that is connected, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, is fun, anal, fun. And which is kind of like the, the person who has to do rituals, has to write notes, has to to have their home in complete order like yeah. their external world has to be ordered and um cool. you know so so, so dodge the, that bullet yeah I'm is that not, right oh yeah <laughs> no everything is very in order in my life well um, you know you have a certain order and you know i guess i don't know man yeah. do you think i have an order <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, maybe not. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, though. I'm yeah. probably, I'm definitely, probably an obsessive over hysteric. But yeah. again, all of these words are just things that we use to define, yeah. which I also have to remind myself of because, especially with this podcast, I can get very caught up in like, so what is it? What's the term? Oh, what's yeah. the term? Which is a very, it sounds like an obsessive thing. Ironically, oh yeah, that's to be right. Like, yeah, exactly. What's the what's, what's the, the right thing term? that makes me am I an yeah. INTP? Am I a, a Ravenclaw or am I a whatever? Yeah. It's all you know. I'm a Pisces, and because I'm a Pisces, I do this and this and this and it's like all all bullshit or yeah. maybe it's not bullshit but i obsess over too over it too much too much so yeah. but yeah uh, psychic vampires the the concept of it um which i think is i also have identified it's such a perfect term because it identifies a whole group of human beings in my life yeah. where i've just been like why am i why do i dread speaking to this nice person who it's very like not that this has anything to do necessarily with like the cubicle thing and sort of how your libidinal energy can be drained by society. But there is something to a person who is on the surface 
very nice and pleasant and they're not offensive. They're not mm-hmm. doing anything that's that you dislike, but when you leave them, you feel as though you you've had something taken from you. Yeah. And I've identified them and in, in m- many aspects of my life i'm sure at times i have been that to other people but it's funny to go through the process of like feeling guilty for realizing that you don't want to hang out with someone and then actually realizing that oh no it's because they're they're just being like (laughs) and the the thing is and the sad thing is i think often that's you're encountering someone who whether they know it or not is suffering from a deep detachment from an object of desire like whatever like the funny thing when when you meet somebody and you're talking to them whatever when you feel things it's often good to think do they unconsciously you know want me to feel that like if you feel anger Join or frustration with me in someone, this. yeah yeah so when you meet someone who drains you that i i think that you're meeting someone who sadly lost something and they haven't been able to mourn it mm-hmm. and 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 the result is they they give the energy in the room that they feel in themselves so all sadly all you're feeling is a fraction of how they feel about themselves yeah i wonder if it, it's kind of like how attraction too i think probably works where it's like if i'm feeling attracted to this person is it not is it also because they on some level are either attracted to me or also want me to be attracted to them and oh yeah fun. like there's always like a reciprocity would be the word i guess yeah well you always think people are attracted to you you think everyone's attracted to you it's like everybody in the room i don't know what the, i don't know about think i mean i, I mean it's obviously I, true yeah, yeah i feel it yeah. i know it i look at, i look at dude i look at data dude i'm about facts yeah <laughs> oh yeah i'm about facts and about knowledge and about black and white and about the fact that uh yeah everyone is yeah. i don't think i think that anymore but i definitely did for oh did a you while. sorry oh, yeah. Yeah, not, it's yeah. easy to think that too especially when you're when i was married i thought that all the time. Yeah. I think when you're married and when you're unavailable or when you're in a relationship. Well, mind you, in, and in your line <clears throat> of work, you probably, you know, you were in situations where there probably was a lot of people interested. I, in I blocked it all out. Yeah. I have no, no yeah. recollection. But The yeah. weird thing is erotomania. Have you ever experienced someone who's got erotomania where they, they start fantasizing that someone fancies them to the extent that anything they do is a coded message of love? But it's so externalized oh, yeah, that yeah, they, yeah. they don't think, it's not that they think, oh, people like me. They they go like, oh no, this person is upset. Mm-hmm. It's not like you want the person to like you. It's like, it's so externalized that you just go, oh my goodness, this person is so in love with well, me. Well, and I don't want to peel back the curtain too much, but I know that you saying that is is code to, uh, yes, to so uh, many people yeah, out here, yeah, out there yeah. who are listening right now. So <laughs> I know that you're, I know, and, and if you're listening and you're thinking that Pete is sending this you is a, a coded message, message to you, I will tell yeah. you, as someone into facts that they are, yeah. that he is in fact doing that. Uh, well, yeah, that's just pure, like, I don't know, man, there's just the, the, the eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, getting kicked out of the garden, detachment from, you know, libidinal sort of like external thing that you're yeah. grasping. It's crazy when it's just, you. it's all of us. <laughs> like there's yeah, no. Yeah, it's all of us to a certain extent. Exactly. There's no unbroken, like, this is why I love it. It's like, it's like, I wish I was a, a, a charismatic preacher because you know the way you stand up and you go, has somebody got a sore back? You know, you go like, in a room of 500 people, you're going to get a sore back. You can do this with this stuff. Yeah. It's like, this, you know, in terms of... It's once, just so speci- it's so technical sounding that you yeah. don't think it's the same thing. And like, no, we're actually talking about sore backs. That's all yeah. we're talking about here. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and when, in terms of the universe, like if you, 
like there's 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 basically in a very basic framework you know you've got hysteria you've got obsessionals you've got you've got anxiety you've got forms of psychosis and there's a little bit of all of those things and so taking a psychotic who's somebody who the voice or the the gaze is so strong that they literally think they're being looked at or they're hearing things mm -hmm. you know all of us can relate to that in some small way but the psychotic is it, like they've they've their their mind they're is in. broken and yeah. they're in you know they're lock stock and barrel yeah and the, you know in terms of neurosis uh, there's there's elements i mean just very small elements even even whenever it, we don't relate to it in a huge way is that like um kind of like an ego formation type of deal like you don't have a strongly like a firm like you're not aware that you are a being separate from your external yeah. source is that kind of the same thing in psychosis yeah because psychosis it's, yeah it's parts of you just like true so in a way they're they're right because they are not fully formed and therefore they are kind of leaking out. And so I imagine it like a bubble and people that kind of imagine that kind of stuff or not imagine, but they hear it and it's so real to them. It's because they're just like, as a person, not fully f like shut, like the barrier isn't all the way there. Well, it's yeah, like the, the, the ego the barrier cell. is weak, is under threat, or that's why it's schizophrenia. That's why out of body experiences, yeah, you know, the voices, cytoplasmic layer in a cell. I think is what uh, I imagine. And the cytoplasmic layer. Yeah, I think that's, that's a nice metaphor. Called. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the most I have from biology. But yeah, it's I remember those diagrams as a as a student, and you see sort of the way it pops and things flow in and flow out, and that's how you get life produces itself and then there are these people who feel that on like a psychological level and they yeah. feel the like osmosis between them and their surroundings and it's like good lord that's got to be terrible it can be terrifying there's, there's there's a there's a way to self-cure i in a way like this is what lacan said about james joyce there's a notion called the name of the father um and it's too much to get into, but 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 he Lacan says if you haven't experienced the name of the father, which is this basically solidifying of the ego, you can become father of the name. And what that means is you can create a symbolic identity in your work. For example, it is very strong. You can create a symbolic or digital identity. And even though you feel that you don't know who you are and you're very amorphous, if potentially you write books or you make uh, movies or you make a song or you bake or you do what you have kids whatever but you have a symbolic identity that you hold on to mm -hmm. and uh, you know it's, so sometimes you know you might feel like you're floating but you've got a website where you can look at yourself and go there oh, I am there I am there, that's who I am and that that can help I mean it's a difficult thing to do but I wonder if there's like a thing where I've, I've realized recently that I'll I um will mute people on Twitter yeah. and Instagram kind of a lot and I'll block mm -hmm. people a lot and mm -hmm. I do it kind of like with very little kind of sometimes reason to and I don't know if this is like I've kind of been feeling bad about it there was some guy who wrote a relatively innocent thing on my my one of my posts and I was just like eh I was like I don't I don't know and I like deleted it blocked him muted him or did all this other stuff yeah. and I was like I don't even, and I don't care, and I don't know what yeah. that. Is. I don't know if it's like, this is my like online thing that it's me, and therefore if you comment oh, yeah. on that, you're commenting on me, or if it's the opposite where I'm like going, I just don't want to hear it. Some like there's by the a wonderful, you know, world 
that I live in, there's people who I think when they uh, will approach me as sort of with an assumed sense of familiarity, but it's like uh, they're yeah, talking yeah, yeah. to the online version of me or they're talking to this sort of like pseudo cynical, you know, 2017 version of me. And I just get very like, no, I'm like, yeah. that's not me. And I don't want to hear it. And I just like, I mute them and I don't say anything, but there's so many people. If you went to my muted people on Twitter, it's so many people. Well, I, I like mute over block because if yeah. someone is attacking me, they're getting something out of it and to mute them, allows them to still get whatever they need out of it. You wish I would, all, I would me, never block yeah, if yeah. it was a Twitter. This is yeah. an Instagram. Oh, yeah, thing. yeah. But but you're bringing up, so it's, this is a good, this is really good stuff. Like, so what is, um, um, oh, yeah, what was I going to say? I well, think, it's just that, yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's, it's my own sort of just like something I'm going through where I'm like, I don't know if it's, it might even be a certain sense of like, I've just stopped curating my stuff a little bit more. And it's mm. like, I've stopped being worried about what people think and what, what the brand is. And that, but at the same time, as a result, I think I get more sensitive to, to people's sort of like reactions to me yeah. because I'm like, before I could just be like, Oh, it doesn't matter. You're talking yeah. about the, you're talking about the brand. You're talking about me being like, Rrr. but then when people actually say stuff to me, it's, I, I get yeah. very like I don't want to I don't want eh. and I don't know if it's also me just being like I just want I just want to post a thing I want to you know I want to exist in a vacuum which is not fair and it's yeah. not it's it's also these people aren't doing anything bad they're just trying yeah. to, a lot of times they're just being jokey and I well take that's it, the thing like and this is the risk of a friendship it's like you know you're a friend of somebody if you can be a dick to them and it's okay and everyone has to take that risk like I think that the moment when you kind of go from being a companion to your friend is when you take the piss out of the person and the person kind of you laugh and there's there's a point where some and i've had it where someone takes a piss out of you but they're not a friend so it really misfires it just really lands yeah. bad and and i and, call that i call that my at mentions on, on yeah <laughs> like that would be kind of just that thing of like I, and i'm not saying i always want to hear from people i always you know i'm not it's not against it's not some personal vendetta I have where I'm just like, no one should talk to me. It's, there is just a certain sense of like, ah, I mean, it's not my thing. I don't I really, you're not, yeah. we're not hanging out. Like this came out of nowhere and you're kind of pretending that like you're in and it's like, it's, it's tough, but it's also, I think I am in YouTube. So it's, there is a attachment that people yeah. have and there is a attachment that I have to them. And there is an osmos, an osmotic, is that the right? I don't know, some kind of osmosis that happens. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's I've noticed that I just don't, and it comes off the, the fear too with this sort of the digital world is like you never want to reply to somebody or give them the time of day in a way that, like you're saying, that makes them more, that gives them what they want. Yeah. It's always like that kind of becomes the angle. Like, well, you don't want to give them what they want by even if you reply, that's what they want. So therefore, you shouldn't reply. Yeah. And I'm like, well, Okay, so I am still defining what I do by what they do or don't want. It's yeah. like, what if I enjoy just kind of being petty about it? Like, and I'm not saying it's a yeah. good thing, but it's like, if I'm that petty, then okay. Like, I'm like, fine, yeah. all right, I'll take it. But this, like, world that we live in is one that's, on the internet especially, when you're talking to people, it's so everyone is imagining the gaze of the other with every word, every post. Oh yeah. There's a big thing on that. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you wanted to do this, a whole topic on this, but anyway, that's beside the point. Did the, I? Uh, well, I think the uh, disclaimer cultures are similar is like the that's gaze yes. of the other, but the there is a sense of like a very strong gaze. Yes. And that yeah. will be a separate thing. But yeah, anyway, yeah. we got on the subject cause I, you're right. This I was great. thinking no, about it, but yeah. um, speaking of tangents, but 
yeah, it's a it's a it's an evolution of just I don't know if it's a good one or a bad one, but at least it's slightly more honest. It's just it results in feeling bad that I'm like I don't want to be a dick, but at the same time I'm not I'm not going after them. I'm just like yeah. I'm choosing to shut my eyes to certain. No, and it is like I've had now because I don't do Twitter much anymore, but I remember. There's times that like I got involved in a weird Twitter conflict. Like sometimes people say something to you and for whatever reason it makes an impact. And it's interesting to ask yourself why. So there was a there was a group um who I was having back and forth with and it was like interesting why I why I cared, you know. Yeah. Um but but that but that's interesting. It's not good or bad. It just tells you something about you know yourself and yeah it's like i guess i just want to be liked and i don't really want to well, there's no, also that thing I of like the little brother syndrome of like don't make don't pretend like you're gonna make fun of me and then i'm gonna like be like oh you got me like i don't it's not funny to me and it's very just like i'm over it but then it's like oh i'm still affected by it i'm still mm-hmm. walking around being like i can't believe that person said that thing it's like good god i've been doing this for way too long to still give a crap and yet something yeah something keeps me caring yeah, well, I know. I um it, it does Maybe bring... I'm the psychic vampire. Yeah. Wow. No, you're not. I know. I yeah, just try to bring yeah. I just try yeah, to Yeah, it. I like the way you try to bring it around to something there, yeah. But what you what you said something which is fascinating which which is like that there's a difference between your friend saying something that's that's hurtful or funny or whatever and someone who's a stranger and like in Northern Ireland, this is the thing about where I think it's not about you can't be an asshole to somebody. It's about knowing when you can be an asshole mm-hmm. to somebody. Like in Northern Ireland, the whole politically incorrect thing was when someone could make fun of you for being a Catholic or a Protestant. And you knew that you were friends with them when they could tell you the joke about being a Catholic mm-hmm. or being a joke about being a Protestant. So there's lots of funny jokes in Northern Ireland against Catholics and Protestants. And you knew that you were someone's friend when you were having a drink with them and you could tell them an offensive joke about themselves uh, and and they could do it to you. And you kind of suddenly you, you were friends. Mm-hmm. So there is this interesting element of going... It's not a offensiveness is not the problem. It's it's misplaced offensiveness. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and also like the format of whether it's Facebook comments or tweets or whatever, like the the Northern Irish thing of being able to have a conversation with somebody and being able to like develop that rapport is lost on the internet, and people jump straight to the sort of joke of the the Catholic Protestant thing without the precursor of yeah. sort of having a beer and getting to know each other. Exactly, and I think it's like. There's a disappointment for me, I think, from the internet of like, oh, I want to have conversations with people, and I want to have like good, deep conversations with people, uh, but the format or the structure of the internet is such that I can't do that, and so it's like, it's like being cornered in a way where it's like, why, like, why are you saying? Do you feel it? what? What's going on? Like, I, I am curious about. It's not. A, I don't think purely narcissistic thing. Obviously, I'm sure there's elements to it, but of narcissism to it. Uh, but like. There isn't a part of me that's just like these, the internet, just like the snippets that you get, it does feel like it's such an injustice to a relationship or to an actual true conversation you could have. And then you have people on Facebook who just do these massive paragraphs and these massive threads and they go back and forth and they debate. And I've done that so many times and you get nothing out of it in the long run. And I think it's, it all kind of goes back to like, maybe it's just because you just can't do it with the internet and we're trying yeah. to get it from the we're trying to get that like well you'll see on, on my on my twitter and i get lots of 
not a lot. I just don't get much interaction. Actually, but I do get questions from people and whatever. And my default is always, listen, thank you, but Twitter's a terrible medium to talk about mm-hmm. stuff. You know? But it's so, also so inspiring. <laughs> like I love when people... For example, if you're listening to this, please send suggestions for conversations yeah. and stuff like that stuff. That's really take. useful because that's tweetable. Like, like you know, and but even I got a great question from somebody from a previous fundamentalist, mm-hmm. and um, he was asking this really good question about um, I can't remember what we we're talking about, but oh, it was a self castration. It was the lobster one, yeah. And he asked a really good question, and I and I did a few tweets back, and I said, "This is a brilliant question." Um, it's not something I can do in a tweet, but basically, let, you know, this is something we can maybe bring up in a that's the future fun conversation. Stuff. So that's, that's when it. the internet yeah. is like, hell yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. When it's these little drops in the bucket that you can't do anything with or that they need an answer and you don't have enough literal space to do yeah. it in or a little li- literal time, it's uh, I can get a little bit more like edgy about it. But yeah, stuff like when they're just like, what about this and this? I'm like, oh, if you're opening stuff up to more conversation, well, then you're having a great time yeah. and it's not an energy depleting uh thing trying to bring it back yeah I, I like that i like that yeah, yeah. i also yeah. feel like as an energy speaking of psychic vampires like everyone knows them and obviously if you don't know, know any then yeah. you're the psychic vampire oh that's is, good that's, that's like just the poker the, the if you do, if you don't see a fish you are the fish yeah it's the yeah. classic stand-up yeah yeah, yeah here, here's a good here's a good example of what you're saying in terms of the psychic vampire thing and what we're talking about is so in in a personal level one of the ways that this uh, the body responds to the melancholia of society, of civilization, is is moments of mania. So the manic depressive, right, who is either completely lethargic and a asocial, asexual, a a a a a, um, and then engaged. But in I notice this on social media is that in a world again where people potentially are being psychically sucked dry of their energy then there are these explosions of like the opposite of like these incredibly intense kind of like uh views on politics and views on the other scapegoating reaction formation splitting um and and i wonder whether that's part of um you know basically you're you've got so society is draining you so much of psychic energy that it's a type of manic depression not on an individual basis but structurally so twitter is the mania of depression so it, it a lot of twitter the explosions of these like incredibly uh, you know uh, uh, strong emotions is partly because these people in their da- daily life have like are drained yeah, of everything yeah. you know um they, they lack they lack a lot of yeah they're just like something something give me something so something explodes because yeah, yeah the opposite is kind of like a, a you know a very mundane kind of like a drained life yeah the anger the the sort of just like ah, that you happen and then you meet people and these people in real life sometimes like there are people who in person i think they're so great and cool and on the internet they're just like bonkers different yeah. person and bonkers opinionated and bon- like getting in your face online be like How, you're not going to tell me this you're not going to comment on this this is my thing this did it and it's like whoa yeah. like but what it, happened yeah. and, that, and that could be a strategy i mean sometimes i read that as a strategy to try to get desire functioning again but it, there's no stable object so there's not a stable object to f- circle your desire around so it has to blow up yeah um there's a guy uh wilfred Beon. 
not having a stable uh what did you what did Ooh, you object not to... having a stable object is the theme of this episode of the podcast so far i is feel like right? we are like literally <laughs> yes that's right like and i, I feel my, i felt literally all day li- i i suggested or i was thinking about ideas for a podcast on the way uh here and i was like what if we did an episode on just being scatterbrained and like what that what that is when your brain is everywhere because i was feeling that particularly yeah. and i feel like it worked out because i manifested that in so the, the lack in, of stability in an like, object boop, 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 boop. Yes, and right. also yeah. people on twitter and it's yeah, just like well, i don't know where i'm going i don't know where i'm you know, trying but that's, to go this is kind of cool somewhere i'm kind of like i love where you took this because it's helped me think about how twitter can be potentially what you're seeing in this explosion is a reaction to a very kind of like dull thing mm-hmm. um so wilford beyond he he was in this situation it was some corporation i don't know but it was chaotic a chaotic situation and somebody said to wilford him wilford brimley is his name uh wilford beyond got it beyond and someone said to him what do you think about the situation and beyond said i don't th-, he says the situation does not is not conducive to thought All right so what do you think of the situation the situation is not conducive to thought and i really like this answer because whenever people think about the chaos of life you go like is actually this chaos is not conducive to thought. So people, we, we, none of us can think clearly. It's very difficult for us to, to take a step back and think well. Uh, yeah, I don't want to go down this road at all, but yeah. um, it reminds me of the, there was an interview recently. Uh, this isn't as going to be as profound as what Wilford Brimley said, but uh, Wilford Brimley, by the way, is like an old actor. Oh, is that right? <laughs> he used to do like diabetes commercials, but um, he, uh, there was an interview from like a press junket with Quentin Tarantino and Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. And oh, uh, I saw this. Yeah, a reporter got up and was like, why does Margot Robbie have so few lines? Like she doesn't, was that intentional? Like, do you have so few? And Quentin Tarantino just said, I reject, I just reject your hypothesis. Yeah. And I was like, regardless of whatever uh, you think i was like that's a good i was like i'm gonna say that all the time but here, here was the weird thing by the way <laughs> even if it doesn't apply you know, even if they're right i'm gonna be like i reject your hypothesis. but because the weird thing is i read that before i saw it so i read something that says quentin tarantino lashes out at reporter well, he, I mean, and then i watched it. it i watched it and it was like he just said I reject your hypothesis and then and then i actually read like half a dozen or i well my my Alexa gives me this shit news. Oh, I have to try and teach her not to do it. Mm-hmm. But um, is but all of this kind of Quentin Tarantino lashes out. He was the most chilled out kind of. I mean, I just reject your hypothesis. It's the best, <laughs> and that what? But that is how you infuriate people. Yeah. Is you just exit the conversation. Just exit and you the conversation. Go, like even I, I truly believe that if I have one staunch political stance, it's that I'm for the person who just goes, yeah, that, that, <laughs> yeah, that, I want that, yeah, Let's I get a drink. I actually disagree <laughs> with the premise of what you're saying, or actually that's not conducive to thought. Like it, something where you're just like, bam, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, just on an uh, anarchy level, really. Yeah, I love yeah. very much. I, that was such a, yeah. That he was lashes out. He's, he's, did like, you right. see that? Yeah, you saw that as well. He lashes out. Uh, we clicked I on the read, same Twitter moment, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, I'll have to watch this because I want to find out the information and because um, I want to see that movie. And I was like, okay. But but that's a good, that's a great example on all sides. And we, I, this is the reason why I pulled away from Twitter because it wasn't conducive to my thinking. Mm-hmm. I realized that I was being manipulated emotionally, not by any individual, not on purpose, um, but, but it was not conducive to thinking well. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I had to remove myself in order to try to think well. Yeah, I feel like the temperature, especially on Twitter, is at like a good hundred and thirty <laughs> degrees usually, like mm-hmm. Fahrenheit. Like it's a it's a toasty hundred and thirty degrees. Yeah. Like everyone's kind of on edge, and everyone's kind of like just wanting to needing to cool down but also they're just like this is the temperature of the room there's nothing we can do about it and then stuff like that comes in where someone just sort of doesn't doesn't affirm or deny that the temperature is incredibly hot and instead just sort of brings the whole room back down to room temperature and people are like no it's hot in here and the reason it's hot on twitter is because like it goes back to what we're talking about of uh, that feeling of like this is my way of yes it's always that's always passion that's the question that i really love most of the time you ask is what is the person trying to heal from like in like whatever reaction when i'm talking to, or you see out on twitter it's like what <coughs> what is this yeah what is this an attempt because they're all attempts to keep you together they're attempts whether it's an explosion of rage or whether it's melancholy or whether it's phobia whatever it is these are attempts to keep the psychic life together mm-hmm. whether it's kind of hysterical dancing at a nightclub or obsessional note taking or whatever these are these are these are the strategies that people are using to keep themselves together yeah and when you think like that i think you become more hopefully more gracious about it hopefully i do empathetic empathetic you go like oh this is because there's a there's there is a symptom this is a symptom of an issue in society this is a symptom of of like problems within how we work how we love how we engage in family life and uh and then you you know you kind of go like so that's why you can never address it because you you have to address the reason for the outburst yeah it's a very nuanced uh take because it's like i will i get in trouble because i do jokes that are kind of i make fun of liberal people pretty regularly mm-hmm. and to the point that i've like needed to kind of scale back um for various reasons but it, it comes across at times like i'm siding with conservatives or republicans or something like that and at, at times in the issue or in these circumstances i might be siding with one person or the other but i feel like as a whole when you start to look at it through the lens of like whatever side it is whatever sort of craziness that you're seeing uh, it's people that PC gone mad or it's this racist, you know, Alabama, you know, whatever that are, they're just trying to keep this person down or they're trying to destroy America. They're trying to, it's like, if you look at it instead of like, no, they're just trying to feel alive for four seconds because the life itself in society has drained them of yeah. like all that they have. And this is the last like bastion they have to like, be like, no, this is still has meaning. Then it becomes you. I do think it generates a certain level of empathy and a certain level of like understanding, but that I try to do interpret that through making fun of everyone, which comes across like I'm taking sides. And I just think it's, yeah. if anything, it's, it does go back to society. And I, I hate that saying that because it's so cliche sounding speaking of call like freshmen and oh, yeah, teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like a very, it's society. Yeah. But it, oh, and th- this is why at the beginning I said, I'm not as anti-society as I might sound in this episode because I think now that's you're the right leading. Yeah. Oh yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I've got some, you know, I've got some thoughts and all that, but, yeah. um, is that uh, is that there are necessary like to be human is to engage in loss and to experience loss. There's no way to not experience loss. So it's it's not that civilization is some terrible thing and there's some Rusonian kind of like we can go back to some kind of primordial kind of pleasure seeking mm-hmm. non civilized whatever. 
Um, it's that, no, to be human is to give up certain things, but um, it's also to, you know, reattach to things, to ask questions. So Civilization and its Discontents, a book that Freud wrote, is about how civilization creates discontent. And then discontent can help reform civilization. And, and create but, art. and create, yeah. Yeah. But, but the main danger is in anyone who thinks that we can kind of have pure, pure, uh, unadulterated kind of like utopia. That's when totalitarian totalitarianism comes in. It's like that's that's the kind of the one of the insights of analysis is that is that we have to find a way to mourn our small losses in civilization, to mourn the big loss that is to be human, and to uh, find objects externally that we can give ourselves to, uh, knowing that nothing will fully, you know, satisfy us. That's the most. Depre- <laughs> that was the most depressing uh, years ago when I uh, one of the most depressing hours of uh, therapy I ever had was I just I went in and I unloaded all this stuff and I was like this is happening and I just feel this way and it's this is cool but how about that and I just rambled on and on and said everything spilled everything and at the end he was just like yeah I mean you know this is this is kind of life <laughs> I was like damn it I was like I wanted more like I wanted like a you're not gonna this isn't excessively I'm everything's fine this is just kind of it it's like yeah, yeah this is yeah yeah just have to there we go. that's it I mean drudge the, on the answer is mourning that's the thing mourning and melancholia is like the idea is that that we're yeah. melancholic because we can't mourn that we have to remember mourn and reconnect we have to remember what we've lost the person we've lost, the causes we've lost. We've got to remember what we've lost. We've got to mourn what we've lost, and we've got to find ways to reconnect with the world. Yeah, and that's... I think I'm due for some mourning in some way, but I don't know what it is yet. I'll talk about it at some point in therapy. But yeah, I think it's some kind of like, I'm not processing something. It's still yeah. not there. It's in the program, but it's not, it hasn't... Coding. Yeah, coding's there, but anyway, yeah, it takes years. That's the thing. It's like that's a, so like it takes so like all of the stuff that we're talking about while drinking is like uh, it can almost seem like it's easy. No, it's not easy at all. That's it's that's terrible. why because yeah. my my main interest in my work is how to develop entire communities that are able to you know kind of like detach from the psychic vampire and live in a type of antisocial. <laughs> Yeah, kind of a countercultural way, um, but I'm going like it's like it's not easy to create those communities. Yeah, countercultural is also different than anti-cultural or anti-civilization or anti. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's going it's being in the world but not of it. It's a weird kind of. Okay, well, like, now you're uh, getting religious on me. Dude. Yeah, don't, don't <laughs> yeah. make it weird. Yeah. Um. Cool. Well. Yeah. Do you have any takeaways? I mean, I I feel uh my takeaway would be basically the the Twitter thing. It's going to help me with my own stuff to think about it as Twitter as a whole, as the the sort of everything turned up to 11 as a result of the general oh, yeah. people are frustrated and they, they don't know. I'm, I'm included in it, and so I can't knock it. And, uh, yeah, having empathy and all that stuff is, is real good. But seeing it as a symptom and not a just like, look at that crazy person saying that crazy thing uh, helps a lot. So Yeah. My takeaway is just that the idea of, like, whether or not you believe that world is meaningful, if you are attached to something in the world, the world will ex- be experienced as meaningful, even if you believe it's not. And if you have detached from the world, you'll experience it as meaningless, even if you believe it's meaningful, even if you think it's meaningful. 
and that really the challenge for all of us is to work out what we have lost in our lives, mourn those losses, and try to find ways to reconnect with the world. And if we're able to do that in small ways, we will be antisocial in the sense of that we'll be kind of like, mm-hmm. kind of like doing something that's a little bit kind of uh, uh, pushes us beyond our everyday life, but that that might be the very thing that makes life meaningful. Credit cards. Uh, <laughs> I. How come your takeaways always sound like you? You sound. They sound like you had them pre-prepared. Pre-prepared. Did you I've got, I'm actually reading them off a teleprompter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yours yeah. always sound very like elegant and tightly put together. And yeah. then, See, it's like you with jokes. You can always tell like like a tight joke in your work. I can always like make anything into a a, a one minute yeah takeaway. you're not a joke writer you're like an insight writer i'm an insight writer <laughs> yeah and i'm not a joke writer but i hope to one day be yeah that's my goal <laughs> um cool thank you everybody and uh if you're in the charlotte area and you would want to come out on a friday night tweet at us at lhc morgan at peter rollins yeah this is the fundamentalists please leave us a lovely review type us nice things it makes us feel good on our iTunes and as i say page. listen i hate it when people ask for for like you know oh if you like our show give us a five-star review if you don't like us you can still write us a five-star review. Yeah, I've been saying that on Valley Folk. I've been like, click the like button. It's okay to lie. Like, yeah, don't, yeah don't exactly. Shit. Like, just yeah. To, yeah, it makes yeah. us feel good. If I you like think you, this you is like terrible, me. you can still leave a five-star review. No problem. Yeah, it's yeah. actually, no one's going to stop you. Don't yeah. be. Don't fear the gaze of the other just because you're trying to be honest with us. But also, we'll take positive feedback as yeah. well. Uh, <laughs> and only positive feedback. Cool. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Bye.